Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. Adam, we had a little bit of surprising news over the weekend where it was first reported by Brandon Cristal with uh, News Radio 850KOA and then Nikki Jabavla with The Athletic backed it up. And then there was some kerfuffle from Mike Kliss about saying that it hasn't been confirmed by the team yet. But of course, I'm talking about the return of Shelby Harris, which no one in Broncos country expected because... We all thought that he was going to leave for a huge payday with the Indianapolis Colts, if you've followed or listened to Benjamin Albright. And when the Colts got DeForest Buckner from the San Francisco 49ers, that kind of changed those plans. But regardless of how it came about, it is absolutely great news that Shelby Harris will be back with the Broncos on a one-year deal. Yeah, Pepper needs new shorts. Uh, I did not uh, did not see that coming. I feel shocked. Um, I really do. And, you know, it's it's fascinating to look at what happened to Shelby Harris. At the end of the, the 2019 season, he was he was the guy, I think, on the Denver Broncos that looked like he was going to get paid. He was going to get the big payday. Everybody kind of looked at Chris Harris as well uh, and said, you know, Harris and Harris are both gone, and uh, Chris Harris is going to get paid by somebody, and Shelby Harris is going to get paid by somebody. And 
to have him back in the mix in Denver is, as you said, a huge shock. And also to to sort of look at his downfall in free agency, that was like watching Aaron Rodgers tumble in the draft several years ago. I mean, it was just like every single domino that needed to fall to prevent him from being signed with a team for a big number just kept falling. And eventually, it, I think what happened to Shelby Harris was he overvalued his own his own sort of play in the market and kind of had to come back. I don't want to say with his tail between his legs, but it was sort of like, okay, well, this is probably my best option. And so now here he is back with the Denver Broncos, a move that, like you said, nobody expected. And it was, it, I, I feel, A, bad for Shelby Harris because I think he thought he was going to be getting a huge payday and B, very good for the Denver Broncos because that defensive line, with every single move that they've made this offseason, has just gotten better and better. What's amazing to consider is when you put all of it, the, the two contracts next to each other and weigh the, the incentives and all that stuff. Mike Purcell could make more money than Shelby Harris in the 2020 season. To me, that's just nuts. I mean, it's almost like Shelby Harris, um, just for lack of a better term, just totally – uh, had to settle for whatever the scraps that were left on the table, you know. I mean, that's that's kind of where he sort of ended up being, and I don't think it was through any fault of his own. I think there probably was a market for him, but he overvalued himself, or his agents overvalued him, and and teams were able to make moves to get guys. I mean, think about what Denver did with the trade for Jarrell Casey, a seventh round pick for a Jarrell Casey. Why would you give a lot of money to Shelby Harris when you could just give up a seventh round pick? for a guy who's probably going to be a little bit better than Shelby Harris to begin with. And he's already in a, a pretty friendly contract. It's it's not a small contract, but it's a friendly contract. And all you gave up with a seventh rounder? To me, that's that was the thing that happened to Shelby Harris, is that every time there was a place where he would have fit in, somebody else kind of made a move and got somebody else that was also a fit, who was comparable to Shelby Harris. Now Shelby Harris is the guy on the outside looking in. What I love about it is, as you mentioned, the defensive line now has depth and has the potential to be really, really good. And as I tweeted after the news came out, it's a it, they have the ability to have a hell of a defensive line now because you have Jarrell Casey, you have Draymond Jones, you have Mike Purcell, you also have Shelby Harris coming back. And he was really good once – Fangio and Donatel found out the place for him to be because he played the first part of the season as a nose tackle, and that's not that's not where he is successful or will have the best impact for the defense. It's as a defensive end. Now they have so much depth, and you have guys who have the ability to take the focus off of Shelby Harris, which is going to make him even better when he's not going to be double teamed because now you have Jarrell Casey and Mike Purcell and Draymond Jones, who I think is going to have a really good second year because he started to come, to, he started to get it figured out at the end of his rookie season in 2019. And I think that's one of the, the, the one of the phases that I think the Broncos have really put a focus on and improved the most in terms of this football team is the defensive line. Well, and we've, we have talked uh, a lot about the two areas that John Elway values on defense, defensive line and secondary. 
Uh, and he thinks you need solid corners and you need solid defensive linemen and, and edge rushers especially, but that defensive line's got to be strong. And that's a Vic Fangio uh, moniker as well. That's that's the thing that he sort of pushes as, as a big part of his defense. And so put, keeping Shelby Harris in the fold and at such a team-friendly contract is incredible. Another name that we haven't mentioned, I'll, and I'll throw it out there right now, is a Demarcus Walker. Uh, there's a guy who... Uh, probably shouldn't have, he, he got misused his rookie year. He never really found a fit. He never really, uh, you know, you know, sort of became what people thought he was going to become. But now with the depth on the defensive line and another year under, under his belt, under Vic Fangio and what he can do, that's another name that adds to that defensive line depth that the Broncos can utilize. And, uh, you know, Shelby Harris isn't going to get a ton of sacks. I don't think that that's his game, but he's going to bat a lot of passes down and you're going to get a lot of push up the middle and everything that they're able to do on that defensive line is going to allow Von Miller and Bradley Chubb to eat all the time. And so the excitement that we had over the defense at the start of the 2019 season and what we thought might have happened with Von Miller and Bradley Chubb playing opposite each other, maybe we just had to wait a year or maybe we're just getting too excited, but this defense is going to be very good, and it all starts up front. And if you can get pressure on the quarterback, that makes everybody's life that much easier in the secondary because now they they have to cover for just a little bit, and then quarterback is on his back. The other reason I love the Shelby Harris one-year deal is it's a prove-it deal. So he's going to be motivated to show everyone, including the Broncos, that he should get paid. He's going to want his money, and he's going to really want to show the rest of the league that he can do it. And I think he is going to really come out driven and motivated to have the best year of his career when he gets back out onto the field. Absolutely. You know, and it's interesting, and and I'm going to bring this point up now. At the end of the 2019 season, if I had said to you, uh, the Broncos are going to lose a defensive lineman. They're going to lose a guy from their defensive line. It's either going to be Derek Wolf or Shelby Harris. Who would you have said was going to be the guy that signed back with the team for a team-friendly deal, and who was the guy that was going to leave? I I mean, I can answer it for you if you'd like. You probably thought Wolf would be back on a team-friendly deal, and Harris was going to go sign a big deal with some other team. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly the way I thought it would play out, and it was actually the complete reverse of that because – if you don't know, listening to this podcast, Derek Wolf signed a one-year deal with the Baltimore Ravens. And when you – I wasn't sure if I was going to bring this up, but I love the way Derek Wolf handled this situation so much better than Chris Harris Jr. did. Chris Harris Jr. did not handle it professionally at all, at least on social media. Derek Wolf handled it – Beautifully. I absolutely love the way he handled it. He said, I am always going to be a Denver Bronco. Denver is my home. It's where I met my wife. It will always be my home. I will always be a Bronco. I'm just going to go play in another city for a few more years. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think most people in Broncos country appreciated that. And, you know, it's interesting to note the difference there because those are two 
uh, fan favorites without question. Uh, Chris Harris Jr. is a huge fan favorite. Many, 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 many people in Broncos country were disappointed to see that the Broncos were not interested in keeping him in the mix. Uh, they thought that the Broncos should have paid him. They, they, the Broncos tried, uh, but Chris Harris obviously wanted to go test the market. And that's, that's another one. And we talked about this before uh, he went and tested the market and, and got way less than I think he thought he was going to get. So, uh, you know, both Harris's ended up walking away from uh, the, their situations with a lot less money. Uh, but Derek Wolf, you're right. He he was um, he he was the type of Bronco that we wanted Chris Harris Jr. to be when he left. Right? Derek Wolf said he loved it uh, in Denver. He he will miss the Broncos. He'll always be a Bronco. These all the right things that you're supposed to say. And for whatever reason, and and it's not that Chris Harris Jr. didn't thank the fans and, and say that he loved his time in Denver and didn't, you know, talk about appreciating it. it was, it was some of the other things that went on online and on, you know, on social media where uh, just some of the petty sniping and things like that. I hope him, I hope he goes off and has a lot of success in, in Los Angeles with the chargers. Just like I hope that Derek Wolf goes and has a ton of success with the Baltimore Ravens. You know, I root for guys like that when they, when they gave their time to, to the team that I love and then they, they go and they play somewhere else. I, I have a, a soft spot in my heart for former Broncos that leave that way, but I will uh, I will be more excited to watch uh, Chris Harris Jr. struggle against the Denver Broncos offense twice a year than I would be to watch Derek Wolf struggle against the Denver Broncos offense if they you know if and when they play the Baltimore Ravens. And the, I think when you look at their situations, Derek Wolf is in a far better situation to compete for a championship than Chris Harris Jr. because the Chargers are horrible. I. They may have a good defense. They may not. I don't. I don't know. They're not going to have a good offense. That's for sure. And I don't think the Chargers are going to compete for a playoff spot. And I. I, I think the Broncos are closer. But the Ravens. Derek Wolf has a shot, a legitimate shot, to win a Super Bowl with the Baltimore Ravens. And if it keeps the Kansas City Chiefs from winning another Super Bowl. I'm all for it. Absolutely. You know, there's another Broncos great that played most of his career in Denver and won a couple Super Bowls and then went on to Baltimore and won a Super Bowl, and that's Hall of Famer Shannon Sharp. So uh, maybe Derek Wolf is following in Shannon Sharp's footsteps and heading off to Baltimore to win a Super Bowl. I, I hope not. I hope the Broncos win the Super Bowl. But uh, as you said, anything to keep the Chiefs from winning another one, that would be fine with me. Uh, again, I just go back to this idea that you know when we started talking about free agency and which Broncos were going to go and which were going to stay, I really thought that Derek Wolf was going to end up signing back with the Broncos for some type of deal that looked a lot like what Shelby Harris's deal looks like, and that Shelby Harris was going to go and get a, a multi-year deal with a team like the Baltimore Ravens, who would have been looking for some interior defensive line, and and it just it just still boggles the mind that we're talking about this in a completely reversed way just because that's the way the dominoes fell in, in the NFL this year. It, it, it really is perplexing how it completely, it was a complete reversal of what everyone thought. And it, I think it turned out the best for the Broncos. Cause I, while I love Derek Wolf, I think he, he is on the decline. So I think they're going to be able to get more out of Shelby Harris. And I, I think Derek Wolf, wants to be a starter and I think he'll have that ability with the Baltimore Ravens. I don't know if he would have had that in Denver, especially with the trade for Jarrell Casey. I think that's where that really put the nail in the coffin of Derek Wolf coming back to the Broncos. So I it I think it it ended up 
the way that it should have, as it usually does in situations like this. And I, I, like I said, I, I'm excited to see what Shelby Harris will bring to the table because he is going to be one driven and motivated player when they get back onto the field. So I do have a question for you about that though. And this is, I, this is something where, uh, you know, I have, I have my own thoughts on it and, and my own speculations, but I'm curious what you think about it. Is this, is the fact that Shelby Harris didn't get a, a bigger contract from another team to go and play uh, on a multi-year deal, is that an indictment of his abilities as a, as a defensive lineman? Is that, is that the league saying he's not actually as good as, as people in Denver might have thought he was? I mean, we were all uh, very excited to have Shelby Harris. I mean, interception in the end zone against Pittsburgh. He batted down a lot of balls. Not a ton of sacks, but that wasn't necessarily his only, his only value. But do you think maybe Broncos country overvalued Shelby Harris in a way that the league looked at him and said, yeah, that's not actually who this guy is? I that's always a tough question because you don't know what it was that his agent was looking for. Obviously it was way more than what he ended up getting from the Broncos and he was, he was wanting and expecting a multi-year deal. I think it might be a combination of all of them where there just really wasn't the fit for a player like Shelby Harris. Cause I think the most likely destination for him was, was the Indianapolis Colts because I, I think Albright has shown that he's one to be trusted with stuff like this. And there was serious interest from the Colts because he was talking about that through toward, especially toward the end of the 2019 season. So, but once they traded for DeForest Buckner, I think that's where that really changed what was going to happen with Shelby Harris. And I think when you get in a situation like that, you want to have more on your resume than he has. And I think this is where it's going to serve as an opportunity for him to really prove it. And that's what a player wants. That's what Elway wants. He wants guys to prove it. And if he does, I think Elway will be the first one to go out and sign him to a multi-year deal to keep him there, especially if he becomes an integral part of the defensive line and leads them to success. Yeah, I I would agree with that. You know, my, my feeling on it was that at least my own takeaway was that there probably was some overvaluing, uh, at least from from members of of the Broncos community, right? Broncos country loved Shelby Harris and what he did, and uh, a small amount of overvaluing. But again, like I said earlier, it to me seemed more like just the way the dominoes fell during the off season. It kept bumping him out of certain spots that he may have ended up in, and so he ended up with this is the only place I have to go. Uh, you know, I got no, I got nowhere else to go. Uh, that's just sort of where he where he had to go to stay in the league and to like you said build his resume put it on tape if he puts more on tape and adds to what he did in 2019 after the 2020 season i have, i have a feeling that those those suitors will be there and, and if he can't prove it well no no harm no foul right then then we all know uh who he is and, and what we're what you're going to get from him so uh yeah very interesting sad to see Derek wolf go but i think he's going to be uh, in a very good situation for himself. And, and like we've said, uh, good for him to go do that. And then also very happy, very, very happy to have Shelby Harris back on that defensive line for the Broncos. What's amazing to think about is Jadavian Clowney is, it still remains on sign. Yeah. I thought he would be one of the first free agents off the table is it to have a pass rusher like that. Who's, who's that athletic. I mean, I get it. He doesn't have the sack totals. But that's not why you pay guys 
you pay it for the complete game and the complete player that they are. And it's amazing to me. So there must be a lot of questions about his health and where he is right now, especially after that core surgery that he has. And the fact that since we're all on lockdown for the most part, that teams can't send their doctors to check him out and get a, and get an idea of, of where he is, especially if you're going to give him the type of money that he thinks he deserves, right. which it just, it, it is amazing to me that Jadavian Clowney is still unsigned. Yeah, I have a feeling that, and and you mentioned it with the sort of the situation that our our country finds itself in now. Not just our country, but countries around the world find themselves in with, uh, you know, everybody sort of being stuck inside here. Uh, is one of those where he probably was going to get a big contract from a team that was willing to you know sign a guy with some some issues, health issues, and now that you can't even check him out. Just like what happened with Shelby Harrison Dominoes, I think the same type of situation for Jadeveon Clowney is just Dominoes outside of the NFL that sort of collapsed on top of him in his search for a, a contract, and he's going to end up having to wait. Uh, and my guess is he'll have to wait until training camp at this point, or you know, for or whenever the world opens back up. And it will, but it it means that Jadeveon Clowney doesn't have a team for a pretty long time. Which is just unbelievable. Yeah, and there's still, there are three former number one picks still unsigned. Jadavian Clowney is one of them. The other two are Cam Newton and Jameis Winston. Well, it's pretty obvious why those last two are unsigned. <laughs> nobody wants broken down quarterbacks and nobody wants quarterbacks to throw the ball to the other team. And so it's hard to, it, it's hard to convince teams to take a risk on a guy like a Cam Newton uh, who hasn't been right since the 2015 uh, Super Bowl, 2016 Super Bowl? It was the 2015 season, the 2016 Super Bowl. Moving on, Super Bowl 50. And well, and then, I, I think the main reason that people aren't signing Cam Newton is because they can't get in touch with Von Miller. Because wherever he goes, Cam Newton, that is, he has to get Von Miller's approval first. Well, yeah, Daddy has to sign the permission slip. I, I understand that very well. <laughs> So yeah, it, it, it you're right, and it, that is that's the NFL right now. That's that's the way things are going. So, all right, well, that's the news. But you brought up a, a really interesting sort of uh, NFL idea, and I think we should play off of that. And you were, what? Well, well, I'll let you introduce it. I'll let you explain what was going on. So on NFL Network on Sunday, one of the things that they were airing is the top 100 characters in NFL history. And that got me thinking, who are the best, greatest characters in Broncos history? And I thought that'd be the perfect subject for a podcast where people are locked up. Let's, let's have some fun with it. Let's have people travel back in their DeLorean as we're recording back to the future is on my TV. Let's, Let's have people traverse back like the old man to the 1970s, which I think produces two of the best characters in Broncos and NFL history. But also for us, almost over 20 years ago, back to the to the 90s. 90s, yeah, um, um, a long time ago, almost uh, almost 30 years ago. Oh, don't t- we should stop doing these time pieces where we talk about things that took place a long time ago and. 
us just being and it makes older. it feel yeah, old just like my back started to hurt there and my knee popped and i wasn't even moving it's terrible uh yeah no I, I think it's a great idea before we do that let's just let's just run down some of the nfl uh guys that are considered to be characters uh people who um you you would certainly immediately think about when you think of characters in the nfl so who, who are a couple of guys that, that sort of pop off the off the page to you just in the nfl so obviously i didn't finish the the show so i don't know who was number one who knows? but as we were talking about it's probably one of two people Deion sanders or joe willie namath characters joe, joe willie namath is the first uh is the first real media darling character i think in in the nfl he was the first guy who uh the you know the new york media was so enamored with and they followed him around and the the fur coats and the uh you know his the prediction in in you know the that the jets were going to beat the colts in the super bowl which uh, my dad will tell you is is a big reason why the old man doesn't like joe willie namath it's because he was a big johnny unitas and colts fan at the time uh you know i think probably joe willie namath is is the first real nfl character right but then Deion sanders whole other level right just a whole other level i mean it, i mean there's a reason his nickname is prime or, or neon Dion. i mean if if your nickname is neon it, it's because you're flashy i think i'm gonna throw out one that we didn't talk about okay but if you grew up in the 80s if you played tech mobile oh jackson Bo i mean jackson. he wasn't he wasn't like Deion sanders or Joe Namath, but he's a character. He is a character. Especially if. Well, especially if you played Tecmo Bowl. Absolutely. So, yeah, I would have to agree with you. I'm going to give you another one. Another name from the 80s that we didn't talk about. Lawrence Taylor. Oh, absolutely. Because he he was on the list, obviously. Obviously. Um, His coach was obviously on the list. Bill Parcells, yep. Um, there, the, I, I mean, there's another quarter. There's a couple of quarterbacks from the seventies that you could throw out. Uh, Kenny Stabler. Oh yeah. Okay. And Terry Bradshaw. Terry Bradshaw. I was going to say Terry, Terry Bradshaw. Not, not that we want to talk about the Raiders or the Steelers, but you know, sometimes you have to, sometimes you don't have a choice. So, all right. So th- those are some names, obviously maybe some more, there are more uh, modern names. We could talk about, uh, Belichick is a, is a name that comes out for the NFL. John Gruden. John Gruden is another really, really good one. Uh, As I told you before, to me, my favorite character of all time from the NFL is Art Donovan. He played for the Baltimore Colts. He's he was such a funny guy. He was he was just he was hilarious. You got to look him up. If you Google him, check out some of the videos, some of the clips of him. I mean, he is he's a very he's an entertaining person to listen to tell stories and, and talk about things because he's funny. You're absolutely right. He is. He's just a funny guy, which, which is enjoyable. Another name, a modern name, another, another Patriot, but I'm going to, I'm going to throw it out there. You mentioned it. Gronk. Ro- Yo Rob, soy fiesta. Yeah. Yo soy fiesta. Rob, Rob Gronkowski. And he's, what he's done now is found himself a, a, the perfect home. Uh, his hype machine goes to the WWE and, and that's exactly where he belongs in his retirement, if you ask me. And so he's a, he's another one that sort of is, uh, you know, 
that sort of legendary persona, a guy who you know did things on the field that were crazy, did things off the field that were even crazier, uh, and and is still doing those things. So that being said, now we've got to let's make it a little more Bronco centric, and let's go th- through the list of some guys, and and maybe before we get to uh, the 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 ultimate one that you're going to give at the end here, player from the '70s, let's talk about some modern ones, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go straight to Aki Tali, Aki Tali. Now, Aqib Tlaib was, and we talked about this all the time, he was, he was the guy who set the tone for the Broncos on defense when he was with the Denver Broncos. He was the heart of the no-fly zone, in my opinion. And he was worth a quote that you couldn't understand for every game. I absolutely loved listening to him talk, and he shot himself. So, you know, that's fun. And you, you're a character if you do that. <laughs> shot himself and, and still played. He was like, whatever, it's fine. It's totally fine. It's a flesh wound. I I think there's another one from that team, and I think he is an absolute character, is Von Miller. Absolutely. Absolutely. With the dancing. Oh. He's the hum, the, 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 the pumps, the pumps key and peel. That's right. His his understanding of I think I think Von Miller's understanding of pop culture and the way that he can use the sort of those goofy dances and his connection to that within his game that sort of up his persona and make him, you know, bigger than he was. Do you remember when he uh, got a 99 rating on Madden and he had the video, the commercial with like the music video. And I can't remember the tune of the song, but essentially says I got a 99 on Madden was the, was the whole point of it. And he's doing all these dances. And then his, his old spice commercials. I mean, Von Miller's a character and, and he's, he, he does a really good job of, selecting those things that are popular at the time and incorporating them into what he is on the field and off. Fantastic. That's a, that's a really good one. There's one that made, actually he was on the list for the top 100 characters of all time. And I actually didn't piece it together, but as soon as I saw it, I was like, Oh hell yeah, he is Peyton fricking Manning. Peyton fricking Manning. Yeah, that's just, yeah, I didn't even think about it either. You know, when you, when we think about characters, I think we think about jokes and we think about goofiness and we think about, uh, you know, sort of some of the, like the, the way that guys present themselves to the media, but Peyton Manning was the type of guy that he was, he was the Denver Broncos when he was in Denver, just like he was the Indianapolis Colts when he was in Indianapolis, all of his commercials, the, you know, cut that meat, cut that <laughs> and he's chicken still, parm you taste so good and he's and that'll he's be in your head today. now oh. everyone listening to this is going to sing that at some point yeah. you're welcome by the way so yeah and you know and now with all of the commercials that he does and uh with with brad paisley and the, the tour bus or whatever and I, I mean there's a reason espn offered him uh, i guess the keys to the to the whole freaking castle uh, to be on monday night football and everybody is shocked that he turned it down because of how much money it was, but I, I mean, you want that type of of attitude and persona in front of a camera, making things good for you. And and I guess poor Monday Night Football couldn't get that done. I I, I feel bad for Monday Night Football. As Eli Manning said on the show, what made it, what makes Peyton Manning such a great character is that you have the serious side, the one that wants to win, that's ultra competitive, but also the guy who knows how to to have fun and take it easy and pull a prank or pull a joke. And that's what Peyton Manning does. And he is so good on Saturday night. 
on Saturday Night Live whenever he's hosted. He's hilarious. That whole bit about when he's playing ball with kids right. in the yard, and there were actually people calling, wondering, was that real? Is he really that mean? Is he really mean to those people? That's not nice. So that that's what makes it awesome. And then uh, the times in his in his news conferences, I, I love the one where he's talking about Omaha and what it means. Where it could be a running play or it could be a passing play, but it depends on the weather and it depends on the jerseys and the formation that we're in. <laughs> it's, just, it's all it, he's he's very good at the subtlety of it as well. Like it's when he started when he started to answer that question, you thought you were going to get a legitimate answer there. You were like, oh, he's he's going to tell us what Omaha means. Oh, he did. He didn't. That was you. You got us. You you tricked us all, and it wasn't very nice, but it was very funny. So I, yeah, Peyton Manning's a really that's a really really good one. All right, so let's look at some other names here. I, I think there's another really obvious one in Denver that I'll just go ahead and get out of the way because everybody's thinking it, and I'm just gonna say it. Shannon Sharp. Uh, and and if you don't know what kind of character Shannon Sharp was when he was with the Broncos, just go find the clip of him. Uh, on the phone, calling the National Guard because they were killing the Patriots. I, I mean, that whole little bit there was great. And then go listen to Mark Schlereth describe how he had to uh, interact with the defense because of the mouth on Shannon Sharp. And he would say, hey, buddy, your problem's not with me. Your problem's over there, number 84. That's who you want to be talking to right now. So Shannon Sharp is another one, and he's turned that into a very successful media career. Uh, and and has his own gifts. If you want to just just Google some of his gifts, I mean, that, fantastic. Well, there's also the leading up to Super Bowl 33. He was having this huge ordeal with the the, the Falcons cornerback, and I his name was Crockett or something like that. I can't remember what his name is, but they had a, a they were having a beef uh, like a, a back and forth leading up to Super Bowl 33, and it's hilarious. So. Google it, watch it, all that stuff. He just, the thing that made Shannon Sharp so hilarious is that he backed it up. Right. And I think one of the things that is a testament to that is one of the greatest defensive players in NFL history is Derek Thomas. But I think the thing that Derek Thomas might be best known for is the three personal fouls that Shannon Sharp had him flagged for on Monday Night Football because Shannon Sharp got into his head. Oh, he owned him. He owned him. Wasn't isn't the story that he was reciting his girlfriend's phone number to him? Isn't that the is it isn't that the story? That, I, I, that's that's the rumor. That's the that, rumor, right? That he was saying to Derek Thomas, and that's what got into Derek Thomas's head that he just lost it. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a guy who, and and you're right. A lot of there are a lot of guys that talk, right? There's a lot of guys that uh, that make themselves. Uh, you know, this goofy persona, or maybe they, they sort of have this attitude about them. I think Aqib Talib is another good example of that. They, they put themselves out there, but they don't just put themselves out there. They also back that up with their play on the field. And that was something that, uh, you know, Shannon, Shannon Sharp obviously did was, was back up his mouth with his play. Uh, you know, another one from that Super Bowl winning team that I'm going to bring up is Bubby Brister. Bubby Brister was a Cajun Southern boy, goofy uh, backup quarterback. And the Denver Broncos absolutely loved him. They thought he was great. Oh, I you to, forgot, go, to, you, to, tra- to traverse I like back. You I looked that up. I, I, I traveled back to make sure it's Ray Buchanan. Ray Buchanan. That's, that's right. I was trying to figure once you said Crockett, I was like, 
Ray Crockett? Didn't he play for the Broncos? I'm confused. It, it was the Ray that that confused the Ray me. Gets you, messes you up. No, but I, I, you know, if you but are yes, Bobby Brist, Bobby Brister, absolutely. Bobby Brister said said funny things. Go go ahead again. Mark Schlereth tells a story about the camaraderie ship, and so come they, on, ride that ship, camaraderie ship. So they, he was just kind of a goofy dude that uh, I probably. He probably didn't back up his play as well as some of the other guys, but he was he was funny and enjoyable, and so that's that's another one that I think is fun to look at. Uh, and then another guy or another another group, I'm going to say from that team is that offensive line, and we talked about them a couple weeks ago. The Denver Broncos offensive line during that 95, 96, 97, 98 that sort of run, they went absolutely silent in the media, and you would think that that wouldn't make them characters. You would think that that would, you know, you sort of, okay, well, they don't talk, whatever. It became such a thing that it was what they were known for. And so that was their persona, was that silent sort of group that was was really good at what they did and blocked for one of the greatest running backs in the history of the NFL, but they didn't say a word. And so that sort of created a persona, an aura about them, of sort of like, well, these guys don't, they take it all very seriously, but it was definitely a, a character that they took on. Which is exhibited by the fact that if you watch Monday Night Football, I think that's when they started to do the introduction of players and they would introduce themselves. And they did like the Conan thing where they had people, they dubbed, they, they had the picture, the mugshot, but it was someone else's mouth voicing their name. Because they wouldn't even participate in that. That's how serious they were about that. And it just, it became a whole, it became a thing that, that the media would talk about all the time just because it was such a big deal. It was so funny. So that's another one from that particular team that I think sort of stands out as a character from the Denver Broncos. I'm going to throw out two other position groups from Broncos history that I think fit that mold of being characters. And I think the first one is from the 80s, and that's the three amigos, Vance Johnson, Mark Jackson, and Ricky Nateel. Absolutely. And you mentioned one cornerback. I'm going to say the whole group. I think the no-fly zone. Sure. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. When, when you start to sort of bring in uh, the idea of a whole group of players together, the no-fly zone absolutely gets gets that same sort of uh, that, that same sort of thing. And I, I think Aqib Tlaib was – the, the, he was the mouth of that group, although uh, Boss Ward and Darian Stewart were also willing to say all kinds of things. And so was Chris Harris Jr., to be honest. I think they all had, had the ability to talk. It was just Aqib Tlaib was just a little bit louder and a little bit more outgoing, a little bit more outlandish, and a little bit more willing to grab a guy by the face mask on the two-yard line because who cares? Or rip his chain off. Yeah, either way, a little chain ripping. Michael Crabtree, that's for you, buddy. That's, that's, that's for you. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a, a position group. I'm gonna I'm gonna name two players that played right around the same time with each other in Denver, and, and that's Jake Plummer and Jay Cutler. Both great characters, uh, and, and they're both great characters today. If you look at the things that they do and the way that they present themselves and whatnot, fantastic characters. And Jay Cutler, uh, with smoking Jay Cutler, we've talked about it before on the podcast. If you haven't Googled it. Check it out. It's hilarious. But then also, again, I go back to the the show on E! or whatever, the very Cavallari show. If you catch a show with him on it, he's hilarious. He's worth the price of admission. And Jake Plummer, 
during his time was absolutely a character because he did unbelievable things. He flipped the fans off. He he did a little bit of everything. He did. He was he was incredibly good at times and very bad at other times and and hilarious all the way through. And uh, the way that he has uh, sort of taken on certain things in his post career uh, way of doing things with his you know. I guess you could say his weed advocacy, but then also his his ability to sort of continue to be a big part of uh, Broncos country. He's a huge uh, fan favorite even to this day. To to me, he's a he's a really good one. I'm gonna throw one out, and I was gonna save this for the end, but I I'd rather leave it on a on a positive. Tim Tebow. Wow. Oh, you want me to? Did you want me to say something about Tim Tebow? I'm best, just saying. I mean, because he was on in the history of the NFL. He was on the list of top 100, so I okay. I think he he absolutely is on the list. Yeah. No. You know what? I here, here's what I'll say. And I, I know I I I ride Tim Tebow pretty hard because uh, I don't like him. I don't think he was ever really that good a quarterback. Um, but he was a winner, uh, and and he was as as characters go. He he had that. Um, that attitude that made guys want to want to play for him, want to want to win with him. I, I will give him that. Uh, he just didn't have the right skill set to be a, a quarterback in the NFL. He just wasn't. You got to be able to throw a football to a wide receiver, and he couldn't do it. I mean, the I mean, he could do it every now and then. It just wasn't. I I, I get in trouble when I say mean things about Tim Tebow, so I should probably not. But he sucked, and that's just all there was to it. Oh, I knew that would happen when we went down that rabbit hole. <laughs> you just allowed me to here. Here's some rope. Good luck. Like, ah, just you know, I'm going to get to the point where I just tell everybody I think he sucks. It's just Tim Tebow. Adam thinks he sucks. Everybody move on. I mean, that's probably just the best way to do it. And then some negative reviews incoming. Yeah, somebody will just say something mean about. Oh, you're telling mean things about Tim Tebow. Yeah, I am. You must be Cajun. Um, sorry, <laughs> so, so, sorry. I just. <laughs> all right sorry anyway moving on uh, <laughs> i think to me the two best characters in broncos history are lyle alzado and tom jackson because to me tom jackson was the originator he was the lip as shannon sharp was before shannon sharp he he was the mouthpiece he was he was everything he's the one that said it's all over fat man or he's the one in the locker room screaming, do they believe us now? Do they believe now? And then, of course, Lyle Alzado, who, I mean, come on. I mean, if there if there's characters, Lyle Alzado, I mean, because he was, he was on the list. I think he was like number 25 or 26 or something like that. Without a doubt, Lyle Alzado, because, Dude, I mean, there's a rule. Stuff. There's the Lyle Alzado rule. Like, you, he literally would take his helmet off or someone else's and would try to hit people with it. Yeah. Take that miles Garrett. You didn't originate that. That's Lyle Alzado's move. You ain't original now. It, you know, and you actually, you brought it up. He, he, he fought Muhammad Ali. He and Muhammad Ali had a boxing match and he actually fought Muhammad Ali. And, and he actually hit Muhammad he hit Ali. Muhammad Ali. And, and then Muhammad Ali reminded him that, I'm Muhammad Ali and you're Lyle Alzado. And he whapped him a couple times. And that was, that was that, but he went in and was going to, he was going to box Muhammad Ali. And he did. I mean, 
that type of of sort of craziness you you really don't get that anymore in today's sports world anyway i mean that's one of those things that you just don't see that uh but he was doing those kinds of things and from everything i've ever heard about it and when you watch some of the old uh you know some of the old videos and if you you know watch some of the the documentaries and whatnot the people in denver absolutely loved lyle alzado he was the life of the party and that was at a time when players would go out and really interact with fans like they would go to the bar and hang out at the bar with the fans. I mean, it was a very different setting than it is today where it's, it's a little bit more, you know, we're over here and you're over there. And it's understandable when you're a celebrity like that and you kind of have to sort of keep that space. But back in the, back in the sixties and seventies and especially the seventies in Denver, let's go hang out with the Broncos at the bar in Denver. Okay. Lyle Alzado will be there. It'll be great. Like that's, I, I just imagine it was a lot of fun, and we didn't get to go because we weren't alive. I Watching his football life, he was the face of the Broncos. He was the face of the Orange Crush. He is what gave it life. And it, not only was he that, he did so much for the community in Denver. That's one thing that always stood out when you watch his football life is the work that he did for the community in Denver. He, I mean, there are, there are people to this day who rave about what he did when he was here. And I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure it was the case in Cleveland and I'm sure it was the case in Oakland, but what he did in Denver, it, it wasn't just on the field. It was off the field. And he was one of those guys who was, who really was able to turn it on. And the quote that always stands out to me, and it, it it's from Lyle Alzado when he was with the Raiders, he said, if there's anyone who said that they loved football, they're lying to you because it's a war. Yeah, he viewed it like that. He want he literally wanted to kill the people on the other side when he was going against them. Yeah, and was, how you're able crazy. to to weigh that for what he was able to do for people in the community, I, I think it. Well, it, it's probably roid rage, but maybe a little bit, maybe just a little bit. You know, it's funny because I, I always think of of Tom Jackson talking about Lyle Alzado and and talking about how he could use Lyle Alzado like like a Rottweiler or a pit bull you know he could he would just sick him you know just that guy over there go get him and Lyle Alzado would go get him I, I mean it was like he he had the ability to to take Lyle Alzado's rage his roid rage probably and turn it and use it like a weapon on the field and direct it at somebody who needed it to sort of have that directed upon them and Tom Jackson used that to his advantage. And I think that that was something that on the field was beneficial for the Broncos, obviously. But then you're right. Off the field, the the way that he did things was so uh, off the wall crazy, but then also such such good things that he did within the community that he worked and lived in. Uh, you know, you got to have a lot of respect for that. And it's a, it's a shame as we sit here and talk about this, and we've talked about it before as well, that you know, he's, he's not ever probably going to be in the ring of fame because of the way that he left Denver and he ended up in Oakland. And I think there are people who, uh, make those decisions that, that don't necessarily want to put him on the ring of fame. I, I don't have any proof of that. I'm not hundred percent sure, but I, he certainly has earned a spot on the ring of fame as, as a, you know, stalwart of the orange crush defense and just who he was in the community of Denver. It's just too bad that they can't find a way to honor him. Uh, and he probably deserved a a spot at, in Canton as well, but the steroid stuff and whatnot sort of will will prevent that. 
I, I to me, I don't understand how you don't have him in the Ring of Fame because he was traded to the Browns. It's not like he went on his own. He was traded out of Denver to the Cleveland Browns, and then he went to Oakland. And if you think about it, that's like the perfect fit for a guy like like Lyle Alzado was the Raiders. But this thing that the, that there are still people who hold a grudge against him because he played for the Raiders. The Broncos don't have the success in 1977. They don't win the divisional playoff against the Steelers. They don't beat the Raiders in the AFC Championship game. They don't make it to Super Bowl twelve against the Dallas Cowboys without Lyle Alzado. The Orange Crush is not what it is without Lyle Alzado. He absolutely, positively needs to be in the Broncos' ring of fame. And then uh, this isn't going to devolve into a who should be in the Broncos' ring of fame discussion, but the next one is Steve Foley. But absolutely, Lyle Alzado should be in the Broncos' ring of fame, but he was a character through and through, as was Tom Jackson. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always... Go Broncos. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.